Issues Etc. listeners are needed to vote for President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by Midnight Central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. Well, he healed the sick Things and the escalate quickly and from the apostles the deciding that they need seven men of good repute to assist them and the church in the distribution of food to widows and other administrative tasks to Stephen doing signs and wonders that draw the attention of the Jewish council. Eventually, he is accused of blasphemy. And then put on trial where he gives his testimony that ends with the vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Tuesday afternoon, the 7th of March. We'll be teaching a Sunday school lesson on the martyrdom of Stephen with Pastor Tom Baker of Law and Gospel. A little later, Dr. Joel Bierman of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis joins us to talk about lawful, lethal force and the Fifth Commandment. Pastor Tom Baker is host of a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, welcome back. Uh, Thank you. Why did the apostles appoint seven men to help them there in Acts chapter 6? Well, what happened is that there were two groups in the church because the Gentiles were also encouraged to join the Holy Christian Church. And there was a complaint by the Hellenists The Hellenists refers to Greek-speaking Jews. And they arose against the Jews because in the church, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, etc. And so the 12 apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And so they said, therefore, let's pick out from among you seven men of good repute who will then deal with this duty of helping out in the temporal realm while we continue to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this pleased the whole gathering. And Stephen was a man they chose, as well as six others. And they laid their hands on them, they prayed for them, and they gave them that office. How did Stephen attract the attention of the Jewish council? Well, what happened, Stephen began to preach about Jesus Christ. Remember how much problems Paul got into when he was converted to Christianity. They whipped him, they tried to stone him, they tried to put him into prison, etc. Well, what happened is those who were with the synagogue, they were called the freedmen, they disputed with Stephen. But 
they couldn't withstand his wisdom because the Holy Spirit had given him much wisdom. So they actually, behind the scenes, did something that had been done to Jesus. They kind of hired men who said, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Now, part of the reason they believed that was Stephen, of course, was saying the ceremonial laws were no longer necessary and obedience to the Ten Commandments was really impossible because of our human nature that is sinful. And so they didn't like what Stephen was saying about the law. And they said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place. They were referring to the temple, which Jesus, of course, had cursed, and the law. And they said, this is at the end of chapter 6, we have heard Stephen say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And so they got really angry at Stephen for teaching what they thought was blasphemy and false teaching. So they arrested Stephen and brought him into the council. Why does Stephen rehearse Old Testament history in his sermon before that council? When two disciples on the road to Emmaus couldn't understand why their wonderful man Jesus had died, been crucified, and now they were hearing women saying he's been raised from the dead. They they didn't understand that. What did Jesus do? Beginning with Moses through Malachi, he gave them many, 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 many Old Testament Bible verses that promised his coming, beginning with Genesis 3.15, that the serpent was told through the seed of Eve would come the Savior, and many other verses, and explained to them the necessity of his death and his resurrection. Their hearts really kind of grew within them hearing this good news before they recognized that it was Jesus. They didn't recognize him as Jesus until he had supper with them and broke bread. And so they were convinced by the word of God. Stephen does the same thing. In fact, the entire chapter 7 is a wonderful summary of how God took care of his people in the Old Testament, how they denied him, even to the point of putting his beloved son to death. Now, it's kind of interesting. This is very long, chapter 6 and 7. And the Enduring Faith Concordia Publishing House material indicates that because of its length, it's too long for the elementary students to read it, but they should open their Bibles and have them find passages, and then they give three areas in Acts 6 and 7. Acts 6, 2 to 5, Acts 7, 51 to 54, and Acts 7, 55 to 56, so that the students can review the narrative of what Stephen had to say. And so he's using the Bible 
In fact, uh, in last week's epistle lesson, Paul asks a question about Abraham, and then how does he answer it? He begins by saying, what does the scripture say? And that was the theme of my whole sermon, that anytime a pastor is asked a question, he should always reply, what do the scriptures say about that? We pastors get asked hundreds of questions that have nothing to do with the Bible. For example, I've been asked, well, is it a sin not to buy a car made in America? Or they'll say, well, I, I like these two people, which one should I marry? We pastors don't have the answers to that. That's something between you and God. We talk about that which is in scripture. So if you ask us something of a theological nature, you can always tell you have a proper pastor if he responds with a Bible passage. And that's what Stephen does in chapter seven of Acts and really does some things there that a lot of people may not be aware of. He gives good history from the time of Abraham through the time of Jesus. And I would encourage the Sunday school teachers to read that because they'll find out some things like when Moses left the land, he was 40 years old, but it wasn't until 40 more years had passed that an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. Moses was 80 years old at that time. And so you hear a lot of things from Stephen that are in the Old Testament, but he does a tremendous summary before the council of why he's preaching Christ crucified. What does it mean that at the end of that sermon, Stephen calls them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears? Remember, what is the new baptism is the new circumcision. Circumcision was what Abraham was told to do. He did it with Isaac. But now we are circumcised, not in the flesh, but in the Holy Spirit through holy baptism. And we therefore trust the promises of the gospel. And through that trust, God declares us to be righteous because Christ died on the cross for our sins. So when Stephen refers to these people as being stiff-necked, that means they were stubborn. They were listening to their own prophecies and they were uncircumcised. In other words, their heart and ears did not have proper faith. Their heart was also often motivated not by love of Christ, of course, but love of self. And their ears, they were not attentive to what Jesus had to say, as God the Father said on the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen to him. They had neither of those abilities, and therefore Stephen referred to them as stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. How does the council react to Stephen's sermon? Well, when they hear that, 
Wow. Especially when he says that which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Boy, that really made them angry. In fact, verse 54 of chapter 7 says, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. A very similar experience that Jesus had when he was on the cross. They were grounding their teeth at him. And he gazed into heaven, Stephen did, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And when he said that, they cried out with a loud voice, and they put their hands over their ears and rushed together at him. And that's why they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. What does Stephen see as he's being stoned and he looks into heaven? Yes. You know, I asked this question once and didn't get an answer from another pastor. I said, did Jesus ever appear in his human form after his resurrection and after his ascension into heaven? Well, he appeared to 500 people after his resurrection before he ascended into heaven, but the pastor couldn't think of a time that he appeared after his ascension. And I brought up two occasions. The one was, of course, Paul. He had the vision where Jesus said that you are persecuting me, Paul. And of course, he fell off his horse and was blinded. The other time is this one. Stephen says, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, this would, of course, be blasphemy because he was saying that the Son of Man, whom he considered to be Jesus, was at the right hand of God and therefore himself was God. And this made them very angry and they were infuriated by this vision of Stephen's and therefore they stoned him to death. Why is the council so infuriated by Stephen's vision? Because anyone gets infuriated when the law is preached. And that's what Stephen had done. Remember, in verse 53, he accuses them, you received the law delivered by angels, but you did not keep it. Remember the Pharisees? Well, that one parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee thanks God that he's not like the tax collector because he's keeping all the ceremonial laws. He mentions two of them, fasting and tithing. In contrast to this terrible tax collector who is Jewish and working with the Romans to take money from the Jews as taxes. So the Pharisees did not think that they were real sinners. That's what Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill means not to murder someone. But I tell you, even if you have a bad thought about someone inappropriately or say a bad word towards them, 
you deserve eternal hell. Jesus got crucified for such language against the law. Stephen was stoned. And that's why Stephen was put to death as the first martyr in the Christian church. Pastor Tom Baker is our guest. We're teaching a Sunday school lesson on the martyrdom of Stephen in Acts chapters 6 and 7. We'll talk about the manner of Stephen's death next. Issues Etc. listeners are needed to vote for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by Midnight Central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer. But where's the word of God in this process? When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process, put the Word of God first, and put your congregation on a good fitting. lcms.org slash stewardship. A mobile Lutheran Bible study. You're listening to Issues Etc. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child. The school's division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're teaching a Sunday School lesson on the martyrdom of Stephen. Pastor Tom Baker is our guest. Tom, tell us about how Stephen died. What did he say while dying? Well, he says that as he's cast out into the city, he says something that is really interesting because he says much the same thing that Jesus said on the cross. Remember, to the people who are crucifying him, Jesus prays to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Similarly, in verse 60 of chapter 7, as Stephen is being stoned, he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which is the same thing Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, And then falling to his knees, he cries out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, the Bible says he fell asleep, which means from our point of view, his body died and his spirit was taken to be with Jesus in heaven. And so 
That's very important to remember how much faith Stephen had that he said, please forgive these people who are doing this. This is a really important point to understand. The forgiveness of sins, these are available even to unbelievers and to the ungodly, which every one of us are. We're ungodly because of our old Adam. But as we come and receive faith, then God declares us righteous, godly, sinless, pure, and holy. So we really have two hearts. That's what last week's lesson with Nicodemus was all about, that you need to be baptized by the Spirit. And he thought, get back in my mother's womb? No, by the Holy Spirit, which was baptism or hearing the word of God, and faith is created. And through that faith, you are declared righteous, just as Abraham was when he believed the promise of God that after being 75 years old and his wife way too old for a child, God promised them a child, Isaac. Abraham believed it, and he was declared righteous. That's what every Christian can really be assured of, that they are declared righteous because of the death of Christ on the cross. How and why is Saul mentioned here? Well, Saul just so happened to be a part of the group that was there at the stoning of Stephen. In fact, he was there and was taking care of the clothes of the people that were stoning him. He approved of his execution. That's in chapter 8, verse 1. And yet, we know later that on the road to Damascus, he had a change of heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, Saul became Paul. After what verse 3 says, he began to ravage the church, entering house after house. He carried off men and women, committed them to prison, where some of them were even put to death. And it is that Saul that became Paul that became the apostle to the Gentiles. And that's what Acts talks about and the many epistles that Paul then wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean then to be a martyr? A martyr really is a witness to Jesus who suffers persecution even to the point of death. This doesn't happen too much in the United States that I'm aware of for pastors where we're put to death but we are getting more and more friction from the world. They have individuals who are throwing bricks through church windows, going into church services and disrupting them, preaching abortion and other such things. And so in a real sense, the church has almost returned to the time of Jesus when there were martyrs there. And there definitely are Christian martyrs today overseas in certain areas like Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, etc., 
who are put to death simply because they witness about Jesus Christ. This has occurred throughout the history of the church. In fact, the hymn for this coming Sunday, which is May God Bestow on Us His Grace, was written by Martin Luther. And one year after he wrote the hymn, a man was singing it in the street and distributing copies of it, and he was arrested by the authorities for singing such a hymn about the gospel and our salvation through Christ Jesus. So this martyrdom, this persecution, remember, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. And therefore, we need to understand the possibility of martyrdom even today. How should we teach the Sunday school children to deal with that possibility? We teach them by reminding them what the scriptures say. The scriptures give promises from Jesus, even to children, especially baptized ones, that he is going to be taking care of them. He is going to be helping them through their problems. And we pastors know this. When we go to a hospital and we're talking to a member who is depressed, maybe over upcoming surgery or an accident, or the death of a loved one, what do we do? We don't read from the newspaper of the day. We read from Psalms, where there are many promises, so that while we walk into the hospital room and see a depressed person, our goal is to walk out with a smile on the face of the patient as he or she has been comforted by the Word of God, which Sunday school teachers are teaching the children in preparation for the onslaught of the devil as they grow older. Finally, what's the law and gospel of this lesson? The law is, well, it's pretty clear. Nobody wants to hear about their sin, their selfishness, or their unbelief. They want to be stroked on the back. They want to be given good compliments. And so when you preach the law and indicate that you really deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, that's really hard to become that humble to say that. But when faith is given by the Holy Spirit, that becomes a confession of sin because the gospel now has told us that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. And therefore, in the life of sanctification, the Spirit continues to move us to believe as well as to serve others, as did those seven chosen in the church to become also servants of those in need. Pastor Tom Baker hosts a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Find out more about Law and Gospel at IssueZTC.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Next week, Pastor Baker will lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Tom, thanks. And thank you. Dr. Joel Bierman joins us next. We're going to discuss lethal force and the fifth commandment. Stay tuned.
Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at preludetopostlude.org. Keeping the message straight. Getting the message out. You're listening to Issues Etc. Do you know the fastest growing religious group in the United States? Is it Roman Catholics? Nope. It's not Protestants either. Rather, it's those who mark none on religion's preference surveys. They don't belong to any particular denomination. They still believe in some sort of spiritual being and reality, but they don't believe and don't claim adherence to any particular religious group. The March issue of The Lutheran Witness picks up the question of the nuns. To learn more, visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook. facebook.com slash lutheracademy.